Amen. Thank you, Brother Vaughn. Let's stand and take our Bibles this morning. Second Timothy chapter one. Let's stand, please. Second Timothy chapter one. Uh, if you will look around you, we have guests and visitors here this morning. Thank you for being here at Heritage Baptist Church. And if our guests and visitors do not have a Bible or they don't have a King James version of the Bible, would you please share your Bible with them? Help them find their place will be specifically in Second Timothy one. I urge you to be back tonight at 515 for evening service. Great music tonight. And we're looking forward to unveiling just speaking about the theme this evening. We're actually unveiling it now. But we're going to be speaking a little bit more about it. I tell you some things on on schedule for this year. We want to be a part of that, and just tell you about what God's doing in the church here this morning. We're already we're off to a good start. We thank God for that. Second Timothy one. Go down to verse eight with me. Second Timothy one verse eight, and uh, this is our first message of 2018, and I pray it will set the the tone and the foundation for the springboard and foundation for this year. Second Timothy one verse eight. Paul said. Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner. But be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel, according to the power of God, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before the world began. But is now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who has abolished death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Whereunto I am appointed a preacher and an apostle and a teacher of the Gentiles. And would you read verse 12 with me all together in unison? For the which cause I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he's able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. Would you read that again with me, please? For the which cause I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. Thank you this morning, Lord, for every single person who's placed their faith and absolute trust in your son, Jesus Christ, the Savior, that as the Apostle Paul, we can echo and say, I know in whom I believe it. Thank you this morning. Our belief is not is not nestled in religion and our faith is not nestled in good works and our faith is not nestled, Lord, in 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 people of this world. But our faith is foundation and rooted and settled in the person of your son, Jesus Christ. And thank you that 2000 years ago on that old rugged hill called Mount Calvary, Jesus came and took our place. He became our substitute and he was sacrificed for the sins of all the world. And Lord, he paid the terrible price for sin. He was punished for our sins. He was the just dying for the unjust that he might bring us to God. We thank you that he bore our sins in his own body on the tree. We thank you that Jesus died for every sinner, that he's the propitiation for our sins and not for our sins only, but for the sins of all the world. We thank you this morning that Jesus Christ, your son, tasted death for every man that Lord, that you might bring us to God. And Lord, now this morning, we humble ourselves asking that every thought we be brought captive to the obedience of the Lord Jesus Christ. Every soul this 
this morning would be cleansed from all filthiness of the flesh and superfluity of naughtiness, and that we would receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save souls. Father, increase our faith. Help us to have what Paul called of Timothy an unfeigned faith. Help us to have a faith, Lord, that is abounding. Help us to have a faith, the Lord, that is increased. Help us not to be little faith and of no faith, but to be a people of great faith. Because we know that without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and rewarder of them that diligently seek him. This morning, as, as Caleb of old said, we are well able to possess it. This morning, help us to see those things we can take uh, control of and possess uh, to the glory of God. Save sinners this morning. Revive the saints of God today. Stir us for service for God. Do something great and mighty in our, all of our hearts, we pray. For we ask these things of you, Lord, today. In the matchless, powerful, unchangeable, almighty name of our Savior, Jesus Christ, and all God's people say, Amen. Amen. Let's be seated this morning. We're in our first message of 2018, and needless to say, I'm very excited to uh, have all of our congregation, our members here assembled here today. I'm so thankful for many of you who've experienced sickness after sickness. It starts with the children, then goes to mama, then goes to papa, and then it starts to cycle all back over again. And so many of you have the sickness and the flu. I'm so glad you're well and, and uh, at least recovering. You're back in church this morning, and we're just praying that this year will be a great, great year for you. And we're in a passage of scripture that I believe this morning will instill us uh, a great desire for faith and determination and help you set some great goals for 2018. Let me give you some background because we don't have a lot of time and I want to get right into the message. Paul is writing the very last letter he would ever write. This is his last written communication. Paul is in the Mamertine prison awaiting death. He is the, he is the, he is a prisoner of Rome. The, the king on the throne is Nero. Nero was known as a madman. Nero took Christians and he would encase them in wax and he'd light up the streets of Rome by setting the Christians on fire. He was a man known for various atrocities. He was a man who would be known as, as, as uh, giving the, 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 the go ahead for the executioner to drop the sword on the neck of the apostle Paul not long after this letter is written. And Paul is writing to a great protege in the faith. He's writing to a young man. He's writing to a man he calls Timothy. In chapter 1 of Timothy, he calls Timothy his son in the faith, his beloved son in the faith. He speaks about him being a spiritual father to Timothy and Timothy being his son. He's speaking to someone very dear and close to him. You know how it is. If you've ever been by the deathbed of someone that you love very closely, they have some last things they want to tell you. They have some last things they want to convey to you that will be embedded in your heart. And Paul knew that his time was at hand. He said, the time of my departure is at hand. And he said, I have some things I've got to unload off my heart that I need to give you right now. And he said, I have some things that I want you to listen to Timothy. And new Timothy had some concerns and some things burdening him. And foremost of all those things, he knew that Timothy was filled with paranoias and fears and concerns and anxieties, just like all of us are. And he looked at Timothy and he said to Timothy in verse 12, for the which cause I also suffer these things. He said, Timothy, I want you to know whatever you're going through, I'm going through it right now. He said, whatever you're going through, I've gone through it before. He said, for the which cause I suffer these things. And he said, nevertheless, I am not ashamed. He said, for I know whom I have believed it and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. Is that a little bit too loud, folks? Are we a little bit too loud? Can you turn down just a little? I can hear the echo. Maybe we can turn just a little bit, guys. Thank you very much. He said, I know whom I believe it. And this morning, our, 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 our thrust for 2018 is to examine today, what do you believe? And who do you believe in? And who are you going to put your trust in when things go out from under you? 
And what are you going to put your trust in as you pursue the future? And this morning, we're going to see a word of encouragement that the great Apostle Paul gave 2,000 years ago to his, his young son in the faith, Timothy, that transfers over and comes to you and me this morning as members and attendees of Heritage Baptist Church. And he gives us some encouragement about this matter of what we believe. I want you to see three things this morning from this passage. First of all, what you notice in verse 8, Paul gives us the faithful counsel. He tells Timothy in verse 8, Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me as prisoner, but be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God. You know, when you start a new year, you need advice. You need counsel. I've had a few people call me up and say, Preacher, I need to get some advice and counsel for the new year. I imagine after this message, I'm going to have a lot more of those. And, uh, you know, we want advice and counsel when we do something new, when we start a new job, when we're asked to relocate, when we, uh, when, a, when a newborn baby comes into the world, when things of that nature happen, when there's a new event in our life or something that we didn't prepare for that's unexpected. We want advice and counsel. And Paul comes to Timothy, who was very uncertain about himself and not sure what what to do as a pastor of the church at Ephesus. And he came to give him counsel and to give him advice. And this morning, I'm thankful as we sit here, no matter how good a year you had in 2017 or how good a year you think you need in 2018, God has some good counsel for you and I. Amen. He has some counsel and advice to give you. And I want you to see this counsel that he gives him. First of all, notice in verse seven, he addresses the timid concerns of Timothy. You see, Timothy was not a bold man. Timothy and Paul were opposite man. Timothy was starting his ministry as a pastor of a church with very timid concerns. You see, Paul was a man who was a visionary and very venturous. Timothy, on the other hand, was practical and a good follower. Paul was bold and courageous in the faith, but Timothy was fearful and timid. I don't know about you, I, I grew up in a generation time when I knew some, when there was a time when great preachers of the faith, Baptist preachers like Dr. Lee Robertson, Dr. Curtis Hudson, great men of the faith like, uh, like Dr. Tom Malone and Dr. John R. Rice. I remember those men and getting them to sign an old Bible that I still have and remember reminding myself of how those men, they just, God saved souls and churches were started and a generation was moved. I think about missionaries that went over overseas and got things going. I think about one of the great missionaries who went to the Philippines and really started what is a great movement now through the Philippines. I, I'm thinking I'm thinking about, about some of the missionaries in those early days who went to China and got things started. And some of the missionaries who've gone to the country of India have gotten things going. And, and some of those missionaries that we support today, there's a second, third generation preachers there. And, and now they've got as many as 50, 60, 100 churches that have been started and, and men they're training continuously in their, in their seminaries. And I'm reminded of those days as I grew up that these were men who stood in the pulpit there. And I used to wonder as a young man, I wonder, man, Lord, can I, will I ever have boldness like them? And I wonder, God, could I ever have courage like those men? And we look to those men for courage and they can look at us and tell when we're timid and concerned. And you have to remember, Timothy was a man filled with great fears and consternation. You'll notice in chapter one, verse seven. Paul said to Timothy, God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. And he wrote that to Timothy because he knew Timothy had a spirit of fear. I'm reminded of the story of a little boy that was fearful of the dark and he didn't like anything with the dark. And you know how children are. If they don't, they're scared of the dark. You put a little nightlight there somewhere in your room and you, you know, they're fearful about entering to a room where there's too much darkness. And one of the places of all the home that he was scared of was his mother's pantry. And the mother's pantry is such tucked away in such a corner of the kitchen that no matter 
matter if there was sunlight in the room or the, 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 the lights inside the kitchen. It never lit up inside the pantry. There was a separate light for the pantry that you'd have to have. And every now and then, Mama would ask him. She'd say, Johnny, I'd like you to go inside that pantry to get some, get some food out there for me. And he'd always would be very averse to that. One particular lunchtime day, she was getting some uh, uh, food ready for lunch and making some sandwiches. And she thought, you know, it's a cold day. And I think it'd be good to have some, some tomato soup for this. And he said, we have some cans of tomato soup. Now, I know we don't do that today, but you just follow the example, amen? And uh, she said, I just need to get some tomato soup out of that, out of that pantry there. And he said, Johnny, would you come downstairs? And he came downstairs. She said, Johnny, would you go inside that pantry and get, get, get some tomato soup? Now, Johnny was scared of the pantry, not because there, there was something bad. He just was scared of the dark and was there. And uh, he said, Mom, I can't go in there. It's too dark. And she said, come on, Johnny, you could do it. You're, you're four years old. You can get into it. He said, Mom, I can't go in there. And she tried to coerce him best she could. She couldn't, couldn't get him convinced to go inside that pantry. So finally, she said, look at Johnny. Jesus will help you. Jesus is there. Jesus will help you. You just trust in Jesus and he'll help you get there. Now you just go over and get that tomato soup, would you please? And so Johnny just gingerly made his way there and he peeked his head inside the pantry and he looked and he got scared, looked at his mother. And mama gave what all mothers do. She gave the mother look. You know what I'm talking about? The mother, get in there. I'm going to whip you. Amen. She gave the mother look. And so he realized, well, you know that I better get in there. And so he looked inside and before he flipped the switch to look for the light, he said this, Jesus, if you're in there, would you pass me the can of tomato soup? Amen. And I think, I think Timothy, we, Timothy can identify with that. He was kind of like, he was afraid to look inside there because he needed Jesus to pass him the tomato soup. You see, Timothy had a lot of reasons to be fearful. He was at a time when persecution was at its greatest. He was living at a time when he had fellow preachers that were captured and made prisoners of war. Of, of if, you, if I could say that, they became slaves to the system of Rome for preaching the gospel. His mentor in the faith, the Apostle Paul, was in the Mamertine prison. And he knew that as he was sitting there, he was waiting for his execution. He was wondering, what am I going to do without Paul? You see, Timothy had experienced some of the, the difficulties and the trials of being a pastor. He had two men in the church, one by the name of Hymenaeus and one by the name of Alexander. The Bible gives us their names. And these men were promoting false doctrine. And these men were usurping the authority of the pastor and being controlling in their things and were stirring up division inside the church. And Peter, did, Paul, Timothy didn't know how to approach them. And Timothy was dealing with the fact that some of his best friends had become shipwrecked in the faith, as he calls in First Timothy 1. They'd gotten away from the Lord and become shipwrecked in the faith. And he was dealing with all these troubles and consternation. And Timothy was at a place in his life where he felt these timid concerns. And as you read this here, Timothy was at the place where his preaching became uh, less powerful and his preaching was losing his passion, losing his being. And Paul wrote to him, he said, Timothy, man, you got to get back into preaching. He said, chirp the gift that is in you that was given to you by the laying on of the hands of the presbytery. He said, man, you've got to get back in there and use the gift of God and start preaching. But Timothy was filled with fears. He was uncertain about himself, uncertain about things to go on in his life. I want to tell you this morning, Everyone's going to have fears. You may have fears this morning. You may have timid concerns about things in your life. Some of us have a fear of people and having people contact. And some of us have a fear concerning our health uncertainties. And I want to ask you this morning to put down in your Bible every day this week to pray for Jamin Chan, the son of, of Tiffany Chan and the brother of Joel and Tiffany Chan. Jamin's going in for major surgery at UCSF this coming Thursday. It's a very major surgery for a very rare cancer. And for the last eight or nine months, he's 
been on our prayer page and we've sought God out. And now that they've, got, they've kind of got him to this place where he's going to have some of the best surgeons, perhaps in all the world, do the surgery. It's a very difficult surgery. It's a very difficult situation. It's a very rare cancer that he has. And God knows he needs us to pray for him right now. And I want you to undergird the Chan family with prayer all this week. But, you know, some of us have concerns and fears about our health uncertainties. And some have a fear about employment uncertainties. And some some maybe in this room, you have a fear about your, your finances, whatever it may be. But I'm going to tell you this morning, fears, if we're not very careful, can be a snare. And fears can be a pit that we fall into. And we feel like we can't climb our way out. Timothy had timid concerns. I wonder this morning, as I start this message, and as you begin this new year, I wonder what fears and timid concerns you have. But we not only see the timid concerns. Notice Paul does not write to encourage the concerns. And Paul does not write to encourage the fears. Instead, Paul writes to overcome the fears. Amen? Paul writes to him to overcome that. And Paul writes to him about a tenacious conduct. Paul says here, Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of the Lord, nor of me, his prisoner. Some of you old, old uh, probably... Uh, war buffs and uh, people who've kind of historical buffs may remember the name of, Do- of General George Patton and General Patton was a fearless or he seemed to be a very fearless general during World War II and he was interviewed by a military governor one time and they were asking about the exploits and victories he had and the great courage he exhibited these different battles and General Patton said one time, the truth is I'm an utter craven coward. I've never been within the sound of gunshot or in the sight of battle in my whole life that I wasn't so scared that I sweat in the palms of my hands. And General Patton was really saying this, listen, I'm as human like you. He said, I put my pants on one leg at a time like you. And I wear one shoe at a time like you. And he said, be honest with you, I come in the sight of gunfire and I hear it and my palms become sweaty. I don't know if that'll be my last battle. But years later, as his biography was being written, he wrote in this biography, he told the writer to write this in his biography. He said this, and you might listen very carefully. He said, I've learned very early in my life to never take counsel of my fears. Never ask your fears, is this a right thing or not is what he's saying. Never take counsel of your fears. And that's what Paul was saying here in verse 8. Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord. You see this morning, Timothy was in the ministry. Let me tell you this morning, you're either in the ministry all the way or you're not in. You're either serving God all the way or you're not in. You're either a, you're a full-time Christian or you're not a full-time Christian. There's no such thing as part-time Christianity. There's only one thing is a full-time Christianity. And Paul was saying here, Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner. He was saying, Timothy, don't be ashamed of Jesus. Timothy, don't be ashamed to preach his word. Timothy, don't be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes. He said, Timothy, don't be ashamed of your association with me. And you know, he had to say that because a lot of Paul's friends, after he got placed in the Mamertine prison, a lot of Paul's friends abandoned him. In fact, he said, no man stood with me, all men forsook me. He said, Demas hath forsaken me, having chosen this present world. I mean, Paul had all these men who stood with him at one time, but the moment he went into prison, they said, nope. I don't want any association with that guy. He's a jailbird, man. I don't know. Maybe what they're saying is true about him. Maybe those are not innuendos. Maybe those are real facts that they're saying. And a lot of preacher friends and a lot of Christians just said, you know what? 
nothing to do with Paul. And Timothy was kind of on the fence because he was hearing a lot of this. Maybe with inside of his old church, there was criticism going on. Don't associate with that man. And so Timothy was this place, like even he was afraid to contact Paul and talk to Paul. And Paul had to write to him, said, Timothy, don't be ashamed of Jesus and don't be ashamed of me. I'm saying to you this morning, Heritage Baptist Church, we must have a tenacious conduct in 2018. We've got to decide that the gospel still needs to continue on. The gospel still needs to be preached. And the gospel tracks still need to be given out. And we still have church every Sunday morning and Sunday night to preach the gospel. And listen, as I'll tell you about some things this year, we've got some, some events we're planning. We've already started working on that we're planning will be great events where hundreds upon hundreds and thousands of people will come through Heritage Baptist Church to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. Yesterday, we're out soul winning yesterday. It didn't have necessarily a big crowd of people, but thank God for those who came. And I took one of our young men with me. We went out to an area to catch up with a man who hasn't been to our church for a little bit there. And I said, hey, let's just stay here and pass us some tracks. And it was an amazing thing. I was out there. We were knocking doors. And first house I came to, the man spoke Farsi, gave me his name. He was Muslim in belief. And next house we went to, they, they were part of Ecclesia de Cristo. The, our Philippine friends know, the Filipino friends know that. The, it's a cult, Ecclesia de Cristo. And, and then we were running to some other folks there. And I ran, ran into a, a, a Hindu and another person. And then I came to the door. The lady opened the door. And she said, she told me who she was. She said, well, listen, I've just started studying the Jehovah Witnesses. Now, if you don't know this, Jehovah Witnesses are not Christian. And Jehovah Witnesses are a cult. And Jehovah Witnesses do not believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, nor do they accept His blood atonement. And listen, the Bible they have is not the Word of God. It is, it is not nothing come close to the Word of God. It is trying to be replacing to the Word of God. They do not believe in eternal security. They do not believe you can have, be a hundred, have a hundred percent assurance you're going to heaven. And I said, why did you start going to Bible studies for this? She said, because I'm concerned, Pastor Fong. I'm not sure I'm going to heaven. I said, well, I can help you with that. I said, did you know God wants you to go to heaven? She said, really? And I could sense the insecurities in her heart. And listen, that's so many partner and I took about 30 minutes there and we started reading the Bible to her and getting her through the gospel. Listen, that woman started to realize that two years before she had gone to a Christian church that preached the gospel of Jesus Christ. And there in the end of that service, an altar worker, just like in our church, came up to her and took the word of God and showed that lady how to get saved. And I told her what for we and, and just happened to be yesterday in our so many challenge. We looked at first John five thirteen, and I showed her first John five thirteen, And I said, if you believed on the name of the son of God, ma'am, you are saved and going to heaven. Amen. I'm going to tell you this morning, Paul, Paul, he's talking to Timothy. He had to remind you, listen, don't be ashamed telling people they can be guaranteed they're going to heaven. And I want to say this morning to every Christian here, let's have a tenacious conduct. The gospel is the everlasting message of God. The gospel never fails. The gospel still saves. It is the power of God unto salvation. We must remind ourselves today, the gospel is what will change this world. New legislation is not going to change the world. Addressing the climate situation is not going to change the world. And becoming more eco-friendly is not going to change the world. Brother and sister Christ, what changes the world is the gospel of Jesus Christ this morning. So I tell you this morning, as we consider that, we must realize Paul was telling Timothy, don't take counsel in your fears. He said, listen, Timothy, you must have a tenacious conduct in what you're doing there. Reminded Robert Louis Stevenson, the great author, once said this. He said, keep your fears to yourself, but share your courage with others. This morning, we see Paul addressing Timothy here and giving him faithful counsel. But notice very quickly, he's trying to encourage this young man. He's trying to get into the place where his, his, his demeanor and his attitude and his mindset will change. And notice the second thing he tells him here. He speaks to him about a finished commission. Notice in verses 9 to 11, he turns attention from his counsel to the person of our Lord Jesus. 
Jesus Christ. Can I tell you something this morning that will help you and me? It doesn't matter what kind of year you had last year. We must always remind ourselves we can start New Year afresh. Last Sunday night, I preached from Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 and reminded the church that we must get our eyes upon Jesus. We must look unto Jesus, who's the author and the finisher of our faith. And so Paul now in verses 9 10 and 11 speaks to Timothy about a finished commission. And he's not talking about the commission given to Paul or to the local church. He's talking about the commission that was given to our Lord Jesus Christ. A commission is an order. It is something to be performed. It was the performance of the Lord Jesus Christ that he took care of when he came to earth to die for your sins and mine. Would you notice what he does here in this? First of all, notice in verse 10, he speaks to us about the crucified Savior. That is our Savior, Jesus Christ. He speaks about Jesus who came before the world began in verse 9 and in verse 10 is now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ who has abolished death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Listen this morning, we can be thankful today that Jesus came to die for your sins and mine. And contrary to whatever religions say, I want you to understand some things that are cardinal and essential and fundamental about the doctrine of salvation. Number one, when Jesus died on the cross for every sinner, it is a finished accomplishment. It is a finished work. Thank God this morning, you ought to say amen today, for the finished work of Jesus Christ today. It is a finished accomplishment when Jesus died on the cross. Notice verse 10. He abolished death. He brought life and immortality light through the gospel. Jesus put death to death. Amen. And Hebrews 2.9 says, Jesus tasted death for every man. Hebrews 2.14 says, through death, Jesus destroyed him that had the power of death. That is the devil. You be thankful this morning as we deal with the world filled with tragedy and woe. Though Satan has the power of death, praise God, my Savior Jesus Christ has the power of life. He is the way and he's the truth and he's the life. And Paul is writing here in that Mamertine prison. He said, I want you to be reminded this morning. He said, uh, Pastor Timothy, that Jesus Christ has abolished death and brought life and immortality light to the gospel my friend this morning you can rest assured today that when jesus died on that cross on and on mount calvary when those nails were pierced his hand and those nails pierced his feet and the spear was thrust into his side and the blood that he shed and the torment he suffered all that he endured he endured for your sins and mine he died once for us jesus came to give you and i eternal life we thank god for a finished accomplishment we don't need jesus dying over and over again we don't need the repeat of the jewish sacrifices we don't need to go to an altar to take communion to receive it again and again and again to be saved. We don't have to pray the sinner's prayer over and over again. Listen, once you've received Jesus Christ, you're forever saved in His grace. I'll remind you this morning, when you're born once, you die twice. But like Carol Dutra, when you're born twice, you only die once. Because death for the Christian is not death. Death for the Christian is a graduation. We see Jesus in his finished accomplishment. But we notice Jesus tells us about a future attainment. Notice this future attainment. Look at these words. Life and immortality. In this life, we don't have immortality. We have mortality. Paul talked about this in verse 1 of the promise of life. I want to encourage you this morning. If you're scared about death and you're scared about the future, be assured this morning when your faith and trust is in Jesus Christ, you have life and immortality in Jesus Christ. Christians don't die and just get buried. Christians graduate from this world. He that believeth on me shall never die, he said. The Christian is passed from death unto life. Death is a game for us. We have a lively hope in Jesus Christ. These are our riches and glory in Christ Jesus. 
Dr. Tom Farrell, the great evangelist who will be with us later this year for our fall revival in the end of October, shared this story one time. And he talked about a, a woman that where in their home, where she lived in the Midwest, they, they heard the news of a tornado coming. And this tornado that would make its way there, they knew was aiming towards their home and she didn't have enough time to get away there and they, she couldn't get into it, she couldn't find a shelter anywhere. Their home did not have a shelter. And soon the tornado got there sooner than she expected and she grabbed her little children around her and she huddled them on the floor and she covered her children and she says, no matter what what happens? She says, I've got you covered. She said, matter no matter what happens, I'm going to cover you. I'll protect you from the falling debris. And soon the tornado hit their home and the roof was torn up and debris was falling and things were coming off the roof and tile was coming off the roof and lumber was coming off and things like that. And unfortunately, as those things were coming, it found its way and tumbled upon this woman and much debris fell on her. And later we found, they found out as they found these survivors that the children were unhurt and unscathed and unscratched. But the mother had been seriously hurt. In fact, so hurt that a piece of lumber that came down, fell on her leg and seriously broke her leg and injured her. Listen, that mother was injured trying to save her children. I remind you this morning, Jesus did more than get injured. Jesus died for your sins and mine. He was the just dying for the unjust that he might bring us to God. And so we're thankful this morning for the crucified Savior. But notice in verse 9 and verse 11, Paul not only talks about the crucified Savior, but he brings us back to the purpose of Timothy and your purpose and my purpose and the purpose of the Apostle Paul. And he he speaks about in verse Verses 9 and 11 about a compassionate selection. You see, he's talking about a finished commission. He says, I want you to understand something. Jesus just didn't die for our sins. Jesus died to give you and me a purpose in life. Our purpose, there's a lot of things we want to do this year. I, I would be, be I would be very thankful to see the wish list and the goals of many of our members this year. And I'm certain there'll be many notable goals and noteworthy things many people want to do. For some, it might be to take an exotic vacation. For some, it might be to go to a certain destination. For some, it might be a certain exercise goal. For some, it might be a reading goal. For all of us, it should be a Bible reading goal. Amen? For all of us, it should be praying goals and church attendance goals. Those are all good things. But Paul talks to him about some things that are very relevant because he was saved. And he says, I want you to realize, Timothy, though you're timid, there's some things God wants you to do. And he says, I want you to notice, he says to Timothy, about your selection in Jesus Christ. Would you notice verse 9? He says, who has saved us? Aren't you glad you're saved this morning? Can you say, man, that you're saved today? He saved us. The church doesn't save you. And a pastor doesn't save you. And a hymn book doesn't save you. And a church doesn't save you. Praise God, Jesus Christ saves us. He says he has saved us. And he said he called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace. God did not save you and me based upon what your talents are. God did not save you based upon what your intelligence is. God did not save you because you're world renowned or because you're a problem solver. God saved you because you fit in the economy of God as fulfilling a purpose for the glory of God. He said he saved us, called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and by his grace. Notice in verse 9, 11, we have a gifted calling. Paul said this in 1 Timothy 1, 12, I thank Christ Jesus, my Lord, who hath enabled me, counted me faithful, putting me in the ministry. First of all, I want to talk about the calling of God upon men who entered the gospel ministry. Can I tell you something this man, this morning, men? When God calls you to preach, you better go preach. When God's called you to preach, don't get distracted with silver and gold. When God calls you to preach, 
Don't take a sideline occupation. Just preach the word of God. Get involved with the ministry and get out, get up to head deep into the ministry. If God's called you to preach, go serve the Lord. If you're supposed to be in the ministry, be in the ministry. Don't vacillate. Don't say, well, one day I'm in the ministry. Next day I'm not. Listen, a double mighty man is unstable in all his ways. I remind this morning, you're either in the ministry or you're not in the ministry. You're either serving our army. You're not serving the army. You're either Christian or you're not a Christian this morning. And Paul said, Paul said, here, listen, I've got a gifted calling. I remind you today of the calling of God upon every man that who's called to be a preacher of the gospel. Just go out and preach the gospel this year. But I want to tell you something else. God has put the calling on every Christian to be a soul winner and be a witness for Jesus Christ. Now, I'm not going to I'm not going to tiptoe on eggshells. Every Christian this year, as part of your goals, one of, one of the top five goals you should have this year is to be a witness for Jesus Christ. Is to win souls for Christ. Is to make time in your schedule to be part of organized soul winning. Let preacher train you how to be a soul winner and take you out and watch what God's going to go. Hey, do what God's going to do. Just let us teach you the ropes. It doesn't matter how shy we are. Hey, Timothy was shy. God can overcome your shyness and mine and use us for his glory. You just make a determination today that you're going to let God use you. So you notice in verse 8 and verse 10, he gives us not only a gifted calling, he gives us a gospel calling. He says, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. And Paul said in verse 11, whereunto I am appointed a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher of the Gentiles. Listen, churches won't survive without preaching the gospel. We can't fill up that building that's going up without preaching the gospel. Our message always revolves around the gospel. I look at the faces of some that say, here he goes again. He's going to preach the gospel. Listen, if you don't have to, if you don't preach the gospel, you don't have nothing to preach about. If you don't preach the gospel, that means you're not excited about Jesus Christ. You don't preach the gospel, that means the death of Jesus Christ doesn't bring a tear to your eye and a tug to your heart this morning. I remind you tonight, this morning, that Jesus died for every sinner and he was buried and rose again according on the third day according to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now I'm going to tell you this morning, your calling card as a Christian is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it ought to be every Christian today makes the determination and that no, for no, no other reason, at least I want to get my husband saved and I want to get my wife saved. I want to get my parents saved. I want to get my grandparents saved. I want to get my siblings saved. We ought to decide today, we want to get people into the kingdom of heaven and populate it this morning. Mr. John Browning was on a ship in the South China Seas many years ago. And ships were not very well built during those days and when they encountered storms, the storms either endured, the, 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 the ships either endured the storm or they did not. In that South China area where typhoons were frequent during the summertime, Typhoon came and the winds and the water blew and broke the ship apart. And Sir John Bowering was one of many men who were floating survivors on the South China Sea. Years before, not very far from where the ship was shipwrecked, there was a church that was built on top of a hill. The church on top of the hill decided, whoever was, the forefathers of that church decided to build a huge cross so people that would be coming in from the ocean would always see that cross. That old church had been destroyed. All was left was the rubble, but the cross still stood. The cross still stood. Mr. Bowering, as he was going bobbling up and down in that salty, cold South China Sea, fearing that all was lost, looked up and he saw that cross there on that mountainside. 
And he saw the cross and for some reason the Lord kind of just turned the sun at that moment. And he saw the cross and the fullness of his glory. And he said, you know what, I'm not far from land. And as long as I've got my eyes on that cross, I'm safe. And as long as I've got my eyes on that cross, I know I'll make it ashore. Not long after Mr. John Bowering would write a hymn that's in our, in our hymn book. And the hymn, he says, in the cross of Christ, I glory towering o'er the wrecks of time. And I remind you this morning, brother and sister in Christ, when everything fails around you, when people disappoint you, when things don't happen the way it should, always remind yourself, you're not building your hope on people. You're not building your your hope on the, the disappointments of people. You're building your hope on the person of Jesus Christ. And though everything else should tower, tower over you. Listen, the cross towers over all that in the cross of Jesus Christ. We glory this morning. And so we look at that this morning. and We're thankful today that Paul could tell Timothy, listen, you can continue and you can go on and you can have a great year and you can have a great ministry. First of all, because I give you faithful counsel. Secondly, because of a finished commission. But thirdly, as we close this morning, he tells him the most important thing in verse 12. He says, Timothy, you can go on. And Timothy, you can be strong. And Timothy, you can be successful. And Timothy, you can tower over the wrecks of time. And t- Timothy, you can overcome your fears because he said, I'm going to give you a fearless confidence right now. And this fearless confidence, you'll notice Paul tells Timothy what had been the driving force that compelled Paul. He said, now I've told you, I've told you what you need to do. And he said, I've told you what Jesus has done for you, but I'm going to tell you what Jesus has done for me. I want you to see what you're going through. I have gone through that. And I can tell you that the secret is found in Jesus Christ. And I want to just instill within you that you can have faith and believe that God is going to get you through that. God will see you through your situation. And he gives this in verse 12. He says for the witch call. He says in verse 12 here, he tells him this. He says uh, he says to him here. He says to to Timothy, he says, uh, for the which cause I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I'm not ashamed, for I know whom I believe it and am persuaded that he's able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. Would you notice as we close this morning, how can you and I have fearless confidence? How can we believe and have no unbelief? How can we have believe and not have any doubts in our heart? Notice, first of all, Paul speaks about his individual perseverance. He said, for the which cause I also suffer these things. Nobody knows the problems I have. You know what Paul said? I've been there. I've suffered death of a loved one. I've had shipwreck. I know what deprivation is all about. I know what it means to be without food. I know what it means to be chastened 40 times by a whip. I understand all that. I understand what it means to lose my eyesight because he did. I understand what it means to be despised and rejected of men. He said, for which cause I also suffer these things. But he said, notice, he says, I understand what you're going through. And let me tell you this morning. Sometimes we pitch these pity parties for ourselves and think, nobody knows what I'm going through. Nobody likes me. Nobody cares. Oh, pastor ignored me. Mrs. Fong ignored me. Deacons ignored me. Staff ignored me. Listen, welcome to my world. I get ignored all the time. Amen. I've had people walk by me. Don't, I put my hand out. They don't even want to shake my hand. I said, okay, maybe I didn't wash my hand. I don't know. And Paul said this, I know what you're going through. He said, nevertheless, I'm not ashamed. 
Man, Ryan, this morning, Paul was saying, listen, it, it is tough and it is difficult. But he says, you've got to persevere. You've got to be tough. You've got to be tenacious. You've got to be able to stay in this thing. Listen, uh, the other day, Pat, Brother Ken Longman, our missionary to China, who is starting up a new church down in the South Bay, uh, wrote, wrote me and he said, he preached here. I said, I want you to know about a missionary friend of mine up in, up in, uh, up, up in the BC area, up uh, outside of Vancouver. And I know this man and we have a missionary that was sent out of his church that we support. And this, this dear pastor, Pastor Mackay, will be on our, he'll be on our, 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 our prayer page this week and he was recently diagnosed with cancer of the spine he's a younger man than me he was just here two two septembers ago as he was getting his son enrolled in golden state baptist college to get going there he brought his son here and came on a wednesday night service because he had never heard me preach and never been in our church and he and his dear wife came and sat in the back there and we just had a little bit of time of fellowship there but we've known each other we've talked on the phone many times and when I read that, my, my heart just dropped and I thought, man, I just, I felt, I just felt burdened. I was working through some things yesterday and the Lord burdened my heart to contact Pastor Mackay yesterday in the middle of everything. I don't know why. And I wrote, I quickly texted Pastor Mackay and said, hey, I heard that you, you got, you got, you got, you were diagnosed with cancer spine and I know that's something that you're very private about. You may not want to share it and that's fine. And I said, I just want you to know you have a pastor friend down here in San Leandro is praying for you. I want you to just know that, you know, we have some people here that are standing for you. And he said, Pastor Fon, thank you so much for writing me. He said, uh, I know your wife has gone through cancer many times. And he said, I hope once we get the, the results of the biopsy this, this Friday, the Friday this week. He said, when we get the results of the biopsy, I hope to reach out to some friends like you that you can help us along the way. And I shared this with him, but I'm going to share with you. I told him, I said, you know, when my wife got the third diagnosis when she was in, in, in the hospital there, we were in the lobby area, waiting, that waiting area for her to be taken in for surgery there. We we're waiting there and I just was reading through my Bible. And on that morning, God gave me, God gave me Jeremiah 17, 14. I should, God, where God said he would heal. And I don't know how to tell you this, but I had read, read, read through 16 chapters of Jeremiah that morning. And I got to Jeremiah chapter 17. We talked about trusting God and about our heart. And he says, he said, he said, Lord, I shall be healed and you'll heal me. And I took that and, and I felt like a burden was taken off my shoulder. I said, God, I know you got this under control. And I shared with him how in Psalms 30, Psalm chapter 30, for those who are going through health trials, how God gave me Psalms chapter 30. We talked about he had prayed for healing and God to work in that circumstance. And I realized God's will is not to heal everybody because God has a perfect will to work in all of our hearts. But I'm going to tell you this morning, I shared that with the preacher. I said, I don't know how to tell you this, but he says, I know I, I have a little bit of a feeling what you're going through. I don't want to say completely. I have a feeling what you're going through, but I just want you to know you've been there. I've been there. And I want to tell you when you're there, God's there with you. Amen. And I said, here's what Paul said. Nevertheless, I'm not ashamed. And here's the perseverance. Paul was saying this. Listen, I haven't quit on Jesus. And I want to say to you tonight, don't quit on Jesus. He said here, I haven't given up hope. And don't you give up hope. He said, I haven't quit the church. And don't you quit the church. He said, I haven't given up praying. And don't you quit on praying. He's saying today, listen, you've got to persevere. You say, preacher, it's hard. I know it's hard. But don't give up on Jesus because Jesus never gives up on you. He talked about his individual perseverance. But, oh, this gets wonderful. Notice in verse 12 very quickly. He talked about not only his perseverance. He talked about a persuasion. He talks about an inalterable persuasion. He says, I know in whom I have believed it and am persuaded. He was saying, listen, Timothy, I know you're scared. And Timothy, I know you're fearful. And Timothy, I know you've got concerns. But I know in whom I believe it. My confidence is not nestled in myself. My confidence is nestled in the person of Jesus Christ. Let me tell you this morning, get your roots deep in Jesus Christ. Don't get your roots deep in people. Get your roots deep in Jesus Christ this morning. Colossians chapter 2, verse Verses 6 and 7 says, As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in Him, rooted and built up in Him, established in the faith, as you've been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. He said here, I believe. 
He said, I believe Jesus saved my soul. He said, I believe Jesus has called me to the ministry. I believe the gospel of Jesus Christ is the power of God into salvation. He said, I believe in a God who answers prayer. I believe in a God who's all powerful. I believe in a Bible that will change your life. I believe in a Bible that is the inspired, infallible, inerrant, preserved word of God for your life. I believe in God's word can change your life. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall never pass away. I believe in an indwelling of the Holy Spirit of God that transforms your life and takes the word of God and he becomes your teacher and inspire you and the Holy Spirit who is the comfort of the paraclete who comes alongside of us to comfort us along the way the songwriter said my faith has found a resting place not in device nor creed I trust the ever living one his wounds for me shall plead I need no other argument I need no other plea it is enough that Jesus died and that he died for me enough for me that Jesus saves this ends my fear and doubt a sinful soul I come to him he'll never cast me out I need no other argument I need no other plea. It is enough that Jesus died and that he died for me. Now listen this morning. He was settled concerning his salvation. I believe Jesus saved. He was settled concerning he answered prayer. He said knew that Jesus answered prayer. He was, he was settled by his eternal security. He says that once I'm saved, I'm always saved. He was settled in the fact that the local New Testament church is the agency by which God promotes the gospel. But above all those things, he was settled in the fact Jesus Christ never fails. We have an individual persuasion. But you notice as we close this morning, Paul speaks about his perseverance. Paul speaks about his persuasion. But if we're not very careful, we'll adopt this Anthony Robbins. The self-help mindset. These religious gurus of the day and motivational speakers of the day that the hope is in me. The hope is not in you and me. We're going to fail. We're going to fail. Yes, we must persevere. And yes, not only must we persevere, we must, we must be persuaded, we must have faith in God. But Paul wanted to encourage his protege in the faith, Timothy, and he says, you have an invincible power. He says, I know in whom I believe it and am persuaded that he's able to keep that which I committed unto him against that day. Would you underline those three words there, right in the middle of that? He is able. Would you say that with me this morning? He is able. He is able. Who's able? Jesus is able. And notice what he's talking about there. He's able to keep that which I've committed to him. How many of you use the banking system to deposit your money? How many of you have your checks, your payroll checks, go by direct deposit, okay? We understand the word deposit means when you put something valuable somewhere where it will not be robbed or taken or molested or hindered. And he's using that same word deposit that we use when we say, I'm going to deposit money in the bank. And Paul is saying this, the moment I got saved, I deposited my faith in Jesus Christ and he's able to keep it. Listen, the problem why we have insecurities about whether we're saved or not is we're thinking we do the saving. I've got good news for you. We don't do the saving. He did all the saving. Amen. None to him that is able to keep us from falling. Jude chapter 22 verse 24 says, I remind you this morning that Jesus Christ, he is able. He's able to help us in our circumstances. He's able to help us. Listen, Paul could write that from experience. He experienced the power of God to convert him on the road to Damascus. He experienced the power of God when he had been stoned and left for dead in Lystra. That same power gave him energy to get back up. He experienced that, he experienced that power to overcome the devil when he had to deal with a demon-possessed damsel in the city of Philippi. He experienced that power 
power in the middle of a storm that destroyed his ship, but got him over to the other side. And Paul said this to those, those men on the ship before the ship was wrecked. He said, I believe it shall be even as God told me. He said, I, he experienced that power. He experienced the power against a poisonous bite of a venomous serpent. He experienced that power against all forms of discouragement. Paul could say without equivocation. Paul could say without any shadow of doubt. Paul could say without any negative. Paul could say with 100% assurance, God is able. I know in whom I believe it. And that he's able to keep that which I've committed unto him against the day. And brother and sister Christ, I'm going to tell you this morning, God is able. He's more than able. He's able to do exceeding abundantly above all we can ask or think. He's able. He's able. I know he's able. I know my God is able to carry me through. Can you believe that? He's able, he's able, I know he's able, I know my God is able to carry me through. He heals the brokenhearted and sets the captives free. He made the lame to walk again and made the blind to see. He's able, he's able, I know he's able. I know my God is able to carry me through. I believe he's able. You believe he's able? Do you believe in that power to save? Or are you going to sit through the scorn of facing this? But just another year. Just a lot more hot air. That's just preaching. Listen, I'm telling you, you despise preaching. You're going to stand before God one day and you're going to hear from God. Get rid of your scorner's face and get the joy of Jesus in your life. Sitting there like this, looking at me like this, like, like a cab looking at two headlights and not knowing what's going on there. He's able. He's able. Some botanists, scientists who study flowers. made a journey into an uppermost part of Asia to do a mountain expedition to study some flowers that they wanted to take back and to do some write-up on. And they made their way up these treacherous mountain peaks and places. And lo and behold, they found these exotic flowers that they were looking for. As they made their way, one of the younger scientists who was a little more venturesome says, Hey, 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 down here, over the cliff, Look at those flowers there. They said, and the chief botanist came. He said, wow. That's what we came here to get. That's what we came here to find. And try as they could, the men were very uncertain about themselves. And as they tried to reach over it, they felt that the, the, the footing of the, of the rock on the edge was too loose. And they were afraid of hurting themselves. And they'd remember as they were making their way there, they'd pass these various villages along the way. And one of the men said, hey, remember that last village we went to? Let me go back there and see if we can find a little boy, maybe a boy that, that's just of a certain size that we could put a, t- a rope around and, and encourage him to go down there and get the flower. And they said, why don't you do that? Because we really don't, we didn't come here for nothing. We came here to get that flower there. And so they made their way back and the guy brought some M&Ms and some candy and things like that. And you know how it is, he enticed and tempted a little boy you know, to come along. And a little boy said, I'll do it, I'll do it for you there. And he came over there and the little boy looked and he was familiar with that cliff area. And as he did, so the little boy looked, and he shook his head and he ran back. And they said, well, I thought you got this boy to do it. And he said, well, I did. He was interested in doing it, but I don't know what happened. He just looked over and just decided not to come back. Well, they were kind of thinking, what do we do now at this point? And the lead botanist said, well, why don't you go back and get another kid? Well, just he said that the little boy was coming back, but was holding by the sleeve an older man. 
And he was pulling this older man who was a little bit reluctant because he didn't know what was going on. But he pulled himself over. As he did, he saw those men gathered there. And he knew that those men came to collect flowers. And two and two started coming together in that older man's mind. He started to realize, oh, I know what they want. They want to get that flower down below there. And they said, hey, little boy, did you come back? We'll give you some M&Ms. And we, we collected some money. We want to give you some money to, if you'll go down there and get it. And we, all you got to do is let us tie this rope around you. We'll hold the rope and let you down. He said, yes, and I'll take all that. But here's what he's going to do. This man is going to tie the rope on me and he's going to hold the rope and he's going to let me down. He doesn't need your help. They said, but yeah, but you don't understand. They says, no, 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 you don't understand. That's my dad. My dad's going to hold the rope and help me get down and get that flower there. And I remind you this morning, your most impossible situation, your most difficult trial, your most depressing circumstance, our dad, our father in heaven is holding the rope for you and me. Amen. He's helping the rope because why? He is more than able to get you there. And I remind you this morning, if you're not saved today, Jesus dropped you a rope from heaven and that rope, just like he did with the scarlet thread with Rahab, he drops that rope to you. He says, hold on, son, and hold on, daughter. If you grab that rope, I'll pull you out of the fiery depths you're in. I'll pull you out and rescue your soul. You can be saved forever and ever and ever. And he reminds you and me this morning, as we try to fight our battles and swim our way through, Jesus drops the rope to us, and he's holding the rope, and God the Father's pulling that rope to say, I've got you along the way. I'm going to hold you up. I'm going to sustain you. Why? Because he's able to carry us through all of those things this morning. This morning, as I give the invitation, Jesus is more than able. He's more than able to save you. He's able to keep that which you commit to. Maybe this morning, some of us today, you're here. You've never gotten saved. You're not 100% sure you're going to heaven. You need to realize this morning, you need to take your faith and deposit with Jesus Christ and realize that he's better than FDIC insurance. When you deposit with him, he holds it. He contains it. He keeps it going. He'll hold you and he'll take you to heaven all to himself because he that believeth on me shall never perish, he said. And he invites you to get saved this morning. And Christian friend, it's time to get out of our seat of complacency and sleet of slothfulness and, and just say this morning, you know what? I'm thankful today. God gives me a fearless confidence. I can persevere. I can have faith. But most important of all that, God is able to carry me through. You just come to God and say, God, here's my trial. Here's my difficulty. Here's my circumstance. I'm afraid to give the gospel. I'm afraid to witness. I'm afraid to live for God. I'm afraid to, tell, to come more than Sunday morning. I'm afraid of this, afraid of that. Let's get rid of our scaredy cat syndrome and claim Jesus Christ and have a tenacious conduct and say, God, you are more than able. God, you help me with what I'm going through today. And you come this morning and say, God, I need you in my marriage. And God, I need you in my family. And God, I need you in school. And I need you over my negative thoughts. And I need you over the pessimism I have. And I need you over my backslidden condition and the sins of my life and the worldliness that I have and the things that are pulling away from God. Listen, God's perfect will for every Christian this morning is that you have the joy of Jesus to come to God and say, God, I need you more than ever before. Listen, if you try it on your own, you're going to do nothing but fail in yourself today. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a power of love. You come this morning. Don't delay. The Holy Spirit beckons you. You come. Father, this morning, the invitation is yours. And I pray this morning in Jesus' name that we be convinced in our heart, He is more than able. He gives us perseverance. We must be fully persuaded. We must know who we've believed in. Just as Five of our newest members to be testified they knew in whom they believed in. There might be some today who are not sure and they need to get saved today. Are you saved today? Do you know if you're going to heaven, sir or ma'am? If you don't, quickly this morning, I invite you to come to Christ. There are loving brothers and sisters in Christ in this room. We can show you, show you from the Bible how you can be saved. If you're not sure today, I'm going to urge you, encourage you this morning to come out of your seat 
Heads will be bowed and eyes closed. With a heart of humility, you come and take an altar worker by the hand and say, Pastor, or say, Sir, I need to get saved. Ma'am, I'm not sure I'm saved, but I want to get saved. I urge you this morning, don't delay. Slip out of your seat. Come, get saved. And then today, if we're timid like Timothy was, it's time to let the Lord work in our heart and give us a fearlessness and a strength. And you come this morning. In just a moment, when I say amen, you come. Whatever God's pressed on your heart, meet God at the old-fashioned altar. Find a seat here at the front and talk to the Lord. You need to follow the Lord in baptism like these others. You come today. You've recently gotten saved but never made a profession of faith. Do it this morning. You need to live for God. Come live for God. By the way, God takes us just as we are. You just come today as we give the invitation. Father, would you bless? Would you help us? Move us out of our seat of complacency and be stirred today to live for God. I pray this morning we not use age as an excuse, time as an excuse, ability as an excuse. Paul told Timothy, he said, look, be not ashamed there for the testimony of our Lord, nor of me as prisoner. He says, I know in whom I believe it. Lord, if our faith is in Christ, you, can, you give us a new beginning and a new start. And you show us a new thing that you'll perform. Please have your way this morning. This invitation is given. We pray for this in Jesus' name. Please stand, heads bowed and eyes closed. You're not safe. Slip out of your seat and come. God's moved in your heart. Young people, older people, to make a decision. Come this morning. Come as a family. What is it the Lord is impressing your heart? You're fully persuaded. Do you believe he's able? Or are you sitting in the seat of unbelief? Do you believe he's able to help you? Would you come this morning? What's on, your, what's on your heart? What's your burden today? Would you come today? Come this morning. Come and get saved today. Would you come today? What's the Lord impressing on you? Do you know if you're saved? Do you know if you're saved? If you're not saved this morning, the Lord may be pressing your heart. You've got to get saved before you leave today. Would you get saved today? I invite you to come. Come this morning. We're singing another stanza. Don't delay. Please come. Don't, don't put off the Holy Spirit. He's whispering to your voice. Today, if you'll hear his voice, harden not your heart. Come this morning. Whatever the Lord speaks to you about, you come today. Fathers, we pray around the room today. Thank you for the rapt attention of all of your uh, people today. Thank you for a good crowd of folks here in church. Have your way in our lives this morning. We pray, Father, for decisions that are being made right now, that they'll be sealed in heaven and sealed in our hearts. Lord, as we go home today, encourage us about the fact that you are more than able. You are the invincible power. But, Lord, today we need that individual persuasion. We must say, like Paul, I believe, I believe that he's more than able. And so this morning, today, you've sealed some things in our lives. You've encouraged us for your glory. We pray now that you'll be honored through our decisions as we dismiss and find our way out. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. You may be seated for just a moment. I want to give you a quick video update for things happening in our church. And this evening is a very special night. It's our vision night service. And we're going to tell you about some things going on for the church. Please don't miss tonight. We're giving out our packets this evening for calendars and things. So you're aware of some things, some very nice graphics. And, of course, we're very thankful for the graphic we have behind us that just kind of emphasizes for us for the next 300 uh, plus days of this year of uh, our theme of I believing in faith in God. And you come tonight to be encouraged. And I believe the passage we're looking at tonight will greatly help you in your faith. Then after, after you see the Connect Me, Brother Joel Chan will lead us in closing prayer. I'll look forward to shaking your hand there in the back of the church.